Here's what's coming up on today's show. Having that knowledge that if you are not setting expectations up correctly, then that's not good for either party. Make sure your retirement can stand up to anything that comes its way. It's time for Badass Retirement. How to be financially fearless with Jose Sanchez, CFP. Hey everybody, welcome into another edition of Badass Retirement. How to be financially fearless with Jose Sanchez and myself talking about investor beware, spotting some red flags when working with or picking an advisor. So we've got a few things we're going to share with you this go around on the podcast and we hope everybody's doing well. Jose, my friend, what is going on? How are you? Hey, man, I'm doing good. You know, I think about this investor beware, and I, I don't know, for what reason, I always tie things to wrestling, right? And, uh, okay. you know, Coco Beware was uh, <laughs> a wrestler that I remember. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of fun to kind of throw in there. Coco Beware. That's right. That's, uh, oh, I remember blast that. from the past. <laughs> that is. That's awesome. Yeah. That's very cool. I hadn't thought about that in a long time. Yeah, I used to like that uh, that guy as well. Yeah, it's interesting, like little words and things and phrases that like trigger stuff in our brains, right? Uh, as we go through life, so lots of cool stuff like that. Well, you know, for a lot of the listeners, Jose, do they know what red flags are? You know, like you know, like I mean, I, we know what a red flag is, right? But do they know what to look for? Uh, you know, some good signs to look to be on the you know kind of the prowl for if you're shopping for an advisor or if you're you know thinking about making a change. So. We're going to give you some of these red flags to be aware of, teach you hopefully how to spot them a little bit, and illustrate maybe the differences between an advisor who does, you know, maybe the bare minimums versus somebody who kind of goes above and beyond. And I think that's a bit of a the difference in a lot of times. Everybody nowadays can kind of call themselves an advisor, Jose. I mean, you're a C- CFP, a certified financial planner. You've put in a lot of extra time and effort, you know, for these this designation. And a lot of people out there, you know, they can just kind of, they just kind of slap that I'm an advisor on their desk, no matter what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think when we think about what is available out there, not only do we have advisors calling themselves fiduciaries, advisors, you know, whatever it may be and mm-hmm. having different designations, kind of the, what they call the alphabet soup of designations. <laughs> right. And right. some are well-earned, some are just like, hey, pay $200 and you get this. And you get it, yeah. But, but that at the end of the day, you as the consumer have to be responsible. And that starts with education. Yep, definitely. Well, hopefully that's what the podcast is about, right? Trying to share some education. So let's jump in and get to it. Um, Advisor who works with people of all ages and all levels of wealth. Now that sounds pretty good. Like, hey, this this advisor works with everybody. Why wouldn't we want that? So, So why might that be a red flag? Yeah, that's a little bit altruistic. And I think when you start off early as a young advisor, you want to help everybody. And you also want to make a living, right? And so you're often scrambling. I see this often with younger advisors. They just, you know, they're all over the place and they're not very tuned into who they can best serve. Mm, Okay. So when we think about somebody who is serving everybody, they may be able to offer them some help, but not very specific help, right? And you and I, as we get older, our health becomes a little bit more crucial and having a specialist you know, to give us some ideas on our you know what's going on with our heart what's going on with you know certain things on our bodies are changing our eyesight those type of things right. having a yeah. specialist is crucial versus the general information that nowadays we can just find on the web 
Yeah, that's true. You know, and uh, that's a good point, especially when you are starting out as a young advisor. You are trying to make a living, and you're also very eager to help as many people as possible. And I think as you stay seasoned in any industry, you start to learn this is what I'm really good at, right? This is what I start to really excel at. And so you will see a lot of advisors who hone in on that arena that they just really, you know, they're just top on their game with. So it makes a lot of sense. So that's why it could potentially be a red flag because as a retiree, what you need is going to be totally different. Let's say you're a 60-year-old retiree. Well, what you need is different than your 25-year-old grandson, right? Or something like that, right? Totally different. Very, very true. And, and uh, you know, there are individuals who are high earners, but not yet rich. They call them Henry's. Okay. And, I haven't you know, heard they that. Earn, <laughs> yeah, they, they earn more than 250000 but they haven't built their net worth. Mm. Often you think about individuals who are in Silicon Valley, the tech industry, and they've started to earn a lot of money. Well, some advisors focus on Henry's, right? They mm, focus okay. on high earners, not yet rich individuals, where other advisors like myself focus on individuals who are right smack in the middle of getting ready to retire. They can see it. Uh-huh. They're in their late 40s. They're approaching you know, their mid 50s and their strategic changes that they can make that will help them better position themselves and prepare and hopefully pay less taxes, which I think appeals to a lot of people versus just general advice. Yeah. I I get it now. Henry's. Yeah. So high earner, not rich yet. Right. Correct. Get Okay. Very cool. I like that. Uh, All right. Number two, a red flag here, a potential red flag, an advisor who only tells you the good news about the situation all the time. I'll use my cardiologist as kind of, since you mentioned doctors a minute ago, Jose, on this, when I first had, um, you know, my heart diagnosis and had heart surgery, um, I had a cardiologist, very nice, very affable guy, soft-spoken, and everything about his approach was very uh, gentle and easygoing, and it just didn't resonate with me. Like, I need, so I needed something, buddy, a little bit more direct and a little bit more firm with me. So I switched to a different person in the office and this guy will just like call me out and take me to the mat kind of thing. And so I'd rather, I'm one of those people who don't just, don't just sugarcoat it, right? I need the, I need the real skinny. And so from a financial standpoint, I would think that most of us, Hey, even if we don't want to hear the total truth, uh, we need to hear the total truth. Like if we're not in a good place to retire, you need to tell me, right? So we can make changes. Don't sugarcoat it. Yes. And, and the idea of information that's out there and the financial professional, I believe that that individual in your life, that role that that individual, either he or she places, Mm -hmm. the value that is really to provide you with accountability, tell you the truth Mm -hmm. and have permission, your permission to push you so you can grow and be prepared. Yeah. I mean, I imagine you probably don't enjoy somebody comes in for an evaluation and they're, you know, you're talking through the process and and you're learning about them and they're very excited. They want to retire as soon as they can. And you're going through their portfolio and you have to share with the news with them that, you know, they're going to have to work a little longer than they, that they really wanted to. I'm sure that's not fun, but it's your job and it's your duty as a fiduciary to say, okay, this, you're not there yet. And here's why, and here's what we need to do. It's not the highlight of your job, but you are doing the right thing for them. To be an advisor that can identify those issues and challenges early on in, in the process, I think is is something that is extremely valuable. Mm-hmm. And having having that uh, that knowledge that if you are not setting expectations up correctly, then that's not good for either party. Yeah. Right. So right, right. in the process, having those expectations and and the accountability has to be in line. 
if the advisor's promising pie in the sky with astronomical returns, <laughs> or if the uh, clients are expecting astronomical returns without any basis for that being reality, right? We can look at what the history of the market has done, what investments have done. And sometimes we just think that everything's going to be like a upward moving, trending Bitcoin investment with never a downturn. And that's just not reality. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point for sure. And uh, so as we're talking about these red flags and we're talking about, you know, the industry, every industry's got its quirks, right, Jose? And and so no matter what industry you're dealing with somebody in, there's jargon, there's technical lingo that comes with it. However, in certain industries like this one, maybe an advisor who uses a little too much of that, and, and maybe they're not necessarily doing it to for any nefarious reason, they're just so used to the lingo or the jargon that you wind up being lost in the conversation. So there are some advisors who maybe do that to make themselves feel a little bit smarter or they look as, as a position of power. But there's also, it's just common, right? You just talk about this stuff all day long, so therefore you don't mean anything by it. But it could be a red flag for you if you're not comfortable with a lot of you know, you know lingo or jargon. Yeah, I think a lot of it is... Uh the advisor often is throwing stuff out there because that's what they're hearing about. That's what they're reading about. That's what other advisors are saying. And they want to emulate and be like other advisors when the reality is the clients. We want somebody that is just very similar to the way we operate, be able to explain something that is simple and not jargon filled, right? And, right. and not something that is just over your head, uh, right? Oh, over your head or, yeah. or just, just not really in tune with normal talk. Yeah, and I'll give you some example of that. Okay, right? sure. Yeah. A lot of times people say, advisors say, live more, worry less. Well, of course, everybody wants to live more <laughs> and worry less. Right. That is not something that is a, a deliverable for, uh, <laughs> <True>. <laughs> you know, for just a one product solution, right? That is just more of a goal, a lifestyle that has to be incorporated with everything that you do. And it's often the goal for everybody, right? So, you know, that's one of them. Another one is innovative. This word innovative, right? Comes off uh, as being something that is rich and robust and new when the reality, especially when it comes to investments and financial planning, it's maybe the wrong thing to be innovative. We want somebody who's going to be pragmatic, somebody or a plan that's going to be pragmatic, a system that works, that is proven and a process that is well-defined. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, so yeah, it's easy to get kind of in that situation. And again, sometimes I don't know if it's necessarily the advisor just trying to do it or it's just because they're in the habit of talking about using a lot of terms. But again, it could be potentially a red flag for you. Yeah. There there's another one that I hear often, I think it's overused, is let us be your financial quarterback or let us be your financial CFO. Yeah. And you know that is something that is taking uh, ownership when I think sometimes we are trying to position ourselves as financial professionals mm -hmm. as that ideal you know, lead position. When often I think what clients want, what most clients deserve and need is somebody to co-create a financial plan help them with a checklist and yeah. implementation, but not so much doing it for them. Yeah. And I think when, with jargon sometimes too, and those are definitely slogan-y kind of jargon. Uh, sometimes people get t intimidated by the technical stuff too. Like, you know, you know, we're going to talk about your alpha or your beta, or you'll use, you know, it'll use some of these market, you know, colloquialisms like, you know, dead cat bounce or something like that. And <laughs> the clients are going, <laughs> what in the world is a dead cat bounce, right? 
So a lot of little things like that. It's you know it could be fun for like a nice breaker, but a lot of times you, again, I think most people want to kind of keep it simple. Like explain to me why you're doing what you're doing, but then also in a way that I can under, you called it a deliverable. Do it in a way that I can understand it, that makes sense with me, and that resonates with me. We'll be right back to today's show in a moment, but if you're enjoying the content so far, be sure to grab copies of Jose's book, The Seven Most Powerful Words, which will teach you one simple hack to master negotiation and save money. Leaving the lab, learning a central money tool so you don't nuke your retirement, and diffuse the seven steps to protecting your 401k and the ticking tax time bomb. These books plus other special items to help you prepare for retirement are all part of Jose's Ultimate Retirement Toolkit. You can get the toolkit for free by visiting the link in the show notes of today's episode or click the Journey Starts Here button on our website, josevsanchez.com. Let's do another one here. Uh, let's see. Number four, an advisor who kind of has that, I don't know, I guess maybe a firm or an advisor that you know, always has that high level of certainty. Well, I just know that the market's going to this, so you should that you know, type of thing. Or... I get frustrated, too, with the don't worry, it comes back statement. Well, yeah, the tip market does typically do that, but it's the person's timeline that's going to matter, not the fact that the market, you know, historically does come back from downturns. Is it going to come back in the time frame I need it to? That's the thing that concerns me as the individual, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think a lot lot of these terms, these high level of certainty is, is often expressed as confidence, overconfidence, and ultimately clickbait. And Mm. so these, ideas, these uh, marketing positioning, this posturing is is often half-truths. And let me give you an example of that. It, uh, you can say, anybody can say, my prediction is the Dow will reach 50,000. Well, it's at 32, 31, somewhere around there. Eventually, we know the market goes up. It's going to get to 50,000. My prediction will at some point come true. And so, <laughs> true, yeah. you know, you can position things. And often, if you look at the industry magazines and the advertisements that go on there, a lot of times they do this, right? They want you to read their articles. So they have these catchy terms, advisors read them, and they kind of share those catchy terms with you. And and they tell you these half truths, which at the end of the day, mean very little to nothing with your financial plan. Your plan should be very specific. It should follow a set of rules. It should be something that you understand and doesn't have this uh, high degree of certainty in what the market might do, but it should be very high degree of understanding of what the limits are. What are the the guardrails? What's the high point? What's the low point? And what's the most likely, the yeah. middle path that you'll take? Yeah, very true. Which is why you often hear the disclaimer of, you know, past performance does not indicate future results, that kind of thing, right? So that somebody might have that, you know, well, we, you know, our firm has accurately predicted the blah, 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 blah. And then they always have the disclaimer that says past performance does not indicate future <laughs> results because it's, you know, it's just kind of easy to do that. Uh, all right, hey, final. What, yeah, go ahead. What about Martha Stewart and uh, that whole uh, insider trading scandal, I think comes to mind when I when I think about this. And you go back to Martha Stewart and, and you know, she was... I believe she was accused of acting on insider information. So if you have somebody that is in your ear, not only uh, telling you about something, but nudging you to act on insider information, that is not right. You know, and what ended up happening with Martha Stewart, I believe, what was that? 2004? That was a while back. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so uh, it was uh, um, 
the daughter's boyfriend was the CEO of I'm Clone Systems or something like that, shared information and people around that circle acted on it. Martha Stewart, I believe, had something to do with that. I'm not sure if she was actually accused of insider trading or just accused of something else, right? But anyway, that's part of the challenge when we think about having somebody in our life that has a high level of certainty. They might not be sharing information that is shareable, <laughs> able to be shareable, yeah. that is legally yeah. able to be shared, right? So yeah. markets should be efficient. Everybody should have the same access to information. Nothing should be guarded as something that the rest of the world doesn't know. If you act on that, then you might get caught, you know, similar to uh, yeah. what Martha Stewart had. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's for a sure. Couple of, a couple of months in. Uh, in yeah, I think it was there. a few months. Yeah, that I think she had to do some stuff. So uh, and she's been a very good sport about it ever since, because I've seen her on a lot of things where she's taken a lot of jokes for that stuff. And she's been a pretty good sport about taking those jokes. So uh, but um, anyway, so let's do one more here. And, and that's sure. and of course, we're on a podcast. So we're talking and you're doing a lot of talking, obviously, because that's the nature of the medium. But a red flag might be an advisor who talks more than they listen. And what I mean by that is obviously when you go in to sit down with an advisor for the first couple of visits, Jose, really the, the client or potential client should be the one doing most of the talking, right? Because you're trying to get to know them. You're trying to learn about them and what their hopes and their dreams and their desires are, as well as the finances and stuff. And there's times when you're going to interject, but I think you definitely want to find an advisor who listens to you and not just talks at you. This is a red flag. Absolutely. And it goes back, I think, from an individual who at one time, I'm, I'm a former young advisor. Right? I'm no longer a young advisor. I've been doing this for quite some time. Early on in my career, I think I was just trying to spit out information. I think that happens <laughs> a lot with, with individuals. Yeah. I invested in trying to better my listening skills because that is so crucial in our profession, having those good listening skills, asking questioning, asking questions and listening to those answers to one, make sure that I or the advisor that you're working with is a good fit. That's what they should be doing. They should be interviewing you to make sure that they set up expectations correctly, vice versa. You should be able to share the information that you have and not be overwhelmed by somebody who's just talking over you and trying to push some uh, product or idea. Chances are, if the individual you're talking with is talking more, they're either selling you something or posturing and positioning to sell you something in the future rather than what they should be listening to see if you're an ideal candidate for their practice, for their way of planning, or they should be listening to make sure that there are no areas that you wouldn't fit as an ideal client. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, what's the saying? Um, God gave us two ears and one mouth, right? So we can listen <laughs> twice as much. So that, that is the zing there. There you go. All right. Well, that's a few red flags to keep on your radar if you are shopping around for an advisor or if you're looking like for a second opinion or something like that, whatever the case might be. And of course, as always, if you do need some help, uh, make sure you stop by and check out Jose's website. He's here to help as well. And that's josevsanchez.com. Again, josevsanchez.com. You can schedule a quick start meeting right there on the website. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, all that good stuff. So uh, give a little subscribe there and check out the website, josevsanchez.com. Thank you, my friend, for hanging out with me, sharing a few red flags. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another podcast. Awesome. That was a good 
information sharing session. I look forward to the next one. My friend, I will see you next time right here on Badass Retirement, How to Be Financially Fearless with Jose Sanchez. Investment advisory services offered for Retirement Wealth Guidance, LLC, a registered investment advisor. All comments made during this podcast do not constitute specific investment, legal, or tax advice. Have a wonderful day, and God bless.